This episode is dedicated to a special friend of mine, my special Gidget. This is for you, Midnight of Paris, coming up on The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a podcast about movies. Midnight in Paris came out June 10, 2011. Quick summary, quick overview of the film. A screenwriter finds himself going back to the 1920s every night at midnight while on vacation in Paris with his fiance. The cast, we have Owen Wilson as Gil, Rachel McAdams as Inez, Kurt Fuller as John, Mimi Kennedy as Helen, Michael Sheen as Paul, Nina Arianda as Carol, Carla Bruni as Museum Guide, Allison Pill as Zelda Fitzgerald, Tom Hiddleston as F. Scott Fitzgerald, Corey Stoll as Ernest Hemingway, Marion Cotillard as Adriana and Leah Sedu as Gabrielle. The budget for this film was $17 million and the box office opening weekend $599,000 total gross in the U.S. $56 million and a worldwide gross of $153 million. So, this movie did its thing, man. It it definitely blew up in a great way. This movie is so entertaining. And if you don't believe me, then we're about to go into the review. So, you're going to have to believe me then. All right? You understand? Um, 81 on Metascore. So, that got the green light. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. With an audience score of 83%. The audience score kind of let me down that time. I think think it should be a little bit more than 83%. Just a tad bit more. Maybe like 85, maybe 90, you know. Just a little bit more. A couple of reviews. Midnight in Paris is a very unselfish and lovely approach to inspiration, love, and the written word. A must watch. This combination of whimsy and romance is, for me, much more successful than Alan's previous European city film, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. A well-put-together exercise in the pleasures and pitfalls of nostalgia. Midnight in Paris is a bit of a one-joke skit carried out at length. What? One joke skit. Let me me go on to the next review, man. Whatever, whatever. In a film so ripe with temptations for posturing, exaggeration, and uh, satirical overreacting, overacting, nobody is anything less than natural, unpretentious, and funny as hell. This supernatural comedy isn't just Alan's best film in more than a decade. 
it's the only one that manages to rise above its titty or titty. Oh, wow, that's embarrassing. It's tidy, parable structure and be easy, graceful, and glancingly funny. As if by bio, boy, 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 um, I don't know how to read right now, folks. I'm sorry about that. I, I really said titty. Dang. Quarantine got me feeling some type of way right now, huh? Yuck. Um, yeah, we're just going to skip that review. I'm, too many big words for me right now. I can't handle it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm human. Forgive me. What can I do? This is the worst movie I've ever seen. Whoa. It's another boring indie flick for hipsters about spoiled rich people who are stupid and hallucinating. Ouch. That's 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 harsh. That's harsh. I don't think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I've seen worse. Come on now. This movie's pretty really good. It's really interesting. And it um it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just one of those movies that just sticks with you for a while. So, the person that wrote that last review, you know, you must have been having a bad day, but um, up yours, all right? My personal review, I really enjoyed on how the cast spe- uh, specifically were able to bring each of their characters to life. For example, um, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into it a little bit more, but I'm just gonna leave it at that right now. I also love like the brilliance of Woody Allen and how he was so, and how and how he's like such a genius and was able to write and direct such a masterpiece. Um, I just love the nostalgic feeling of the 1920s France France that he brings in. I just love how it has like such an amazing scenery and it has like great amazing beautiful shots and me personally it's just an adorable time traveling movie so i give this a eight out of ten time traveling cars and that kind of like i guess kind of like contradicts myself because i said earlier about the audience score saying it was 83%, and I gave it like an 8 out of 10. So I'm going to take back what I said earlier, and I'll, stay, I'll stick with that 83%. Uh, like an 85. So I'll go ahead and say 8.5. 8.5 out of 10 time traveling cars. Yes, sir. Let's do it. We're on to the next um, category, and that is awards. So um, Midnight in Paris. Got 26 wins and 103 nominations. And this is the worst. And this is the worst movie of all time. Please, guy. Or lady. Whoever you are. I know what you are. You're an idiot. That's what you are. Worst movie I've ever seen. At the 2012 Academy Awards, Midnight in Paris won for Best Writing Original Screenplay. Beating out Bridesmaids, The Artist, A Separation, and Margin Call. It might be a hot take for 
for like some of the uh, movie lovers that be listening to me. But um, I'm really not a fan of the artist. I know the artist won a lot of awards, but in my eyes, it's just overrated and overhyped. And I'm just not a fan of the artist. Sorry. Just can't get into it. At the 2012 AFI Awards, Midnight in Paris won for Best Movie of the Year. Apparently, it wasn't the only movie that won Movie of the Year. There's a total of 10 movies in the, in that award show that won Movie of the Year. Um, I'm not going to name all of them. I'm just going to name a couple of them. Um, some of them were J. Edgar Hugo, Hugo War Horse, and Bridesmaids were just some of the few to to win movie of the year. So that's a little bit confusing to me. I don't know. I guess if like if I like select your movie, you automatically won award. So kind of weird that that 10 movies won one movie of the year. Um I don't think so. I saw the list. I like I even named a couple of you a couple of movies for you guys. Um in my opinion, uh Midnight and Paris should have won movie of the year for that award show and nobody else. I have a couple more to go through. Um I think I got I think I, I think I got two more to talk about. I um one more award and then another nominee and then I just named off like one nominee that it, that I got nominated for. Um at the 12, 2012 Golden Globes, Midnight in Paris won for Best Screenplay Motion Picture. Other nominees in that category were uh, are Moneyball, The Descendants, The Artists, and The Ides of March. And finally, at the 2012 Screen Actors Guild Awards, Midnight in Paris was nominated for Outstanding Performance by a cast and a motion picture losing to the help other nominees in this category are the artist bridesmaids and the descendants um if it was up to me i'd give it to midnight in paris again uh, like i said this like i said earlier I, I barely touched on it i'm gonna i'm gonna touch on it a little bit more but just the cast in this movie man they they do such an amazing job um from like, from like Owen Wilson all the way down to a simple party goer, a simple party, a simple extra that's playing as a party goer. Everybody just does their job extremely well, and I and I admire it. So, what makes this movie stand out? Um. Uh. Here I go again, con- back continue what I was saying. Just the uh, the unforgettable cast stands out to me. Um, starting, um, just just starting off with um, one of my favorite characters in this movie, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Who who is um I guess like one of his main one of his huge popular books that he's ever wrote written The Great Gatsby. Um, if you read it, you, 
like if you read the book, you just hear uh, like uh, Gatsby's famous quote being a uh, old sport. So, so I, I don't, I don't know if it's how accurate that is. Maybe I should do my research a little bit more, but I don't know how accurate that is. If he really like said that when he finished like every sentence or so or so, but I was just um, in utter like utter amazement how he was talking like how how um Tom Tom Hiddleston was like was like uh portraying F. Scott Fitzgerald as the Great Gatsby or if. They're really alike like that, but regardless, I, I enjoyed his performance. Um, I also loved uh, Adrian Brody's um, Salvador Dali, how he portrayed how he portrayed him as well. That's probably my favorite character in the whole movie, and he only's like in the movie for like maybe like five minutes total, maybe less than that. But his presence alone, um was amazing in this movie. We have uh I lo- also love the way um Owen Wilson carried this fictional character. It wasn't even a real person, you know, he was just a fictional character and he portrayed him like a like a gullible nice guy. But he didn't, he's not really nice. I, I I think I'm gonna dive into that just in a little bit here. But yeah, um, Michael Sheen playing as Paul, just like a uptight, stuck up. Um, what like uptight, stuck stuck up type of guy that just thinks he knows everything and is just like such a such a tool about it. Everybody just just. Just does an amazing job in this. Um, so yeah, this this whole cast mainly mainly the cast. When I I like to really refer to the cast that was playing in the nineteen twenties in France, nineteen twenties Paris, nineteen twenties. They all did like an amazing job. From like I said, from from uh, Tom Hiddleston to. Allison Peel playing Zelda Fitzgerald with like an Alabama accent because I think I think she said she's from Alabama in the movie, so that was a that was pretty nice. Um, Corey Stoll playing as Ernest Hemingway. Um, Ernie, Ernest Hemingway stands out so much in this movie as well. Um, he just plays like a. Like such like a like a badass man. I mean he he's an author and he's also like a like a war hero or at least like a vet. And he's and he's like ready to he he's ready to throw down and, and fight and get physical and also give you like good life lectures. So I was just like, wow, like this whole cast is amazing. And um they fit so well in the beautiful city of Paris. Especially the 1920s Paris. So yes. So that that those two things alone, the, the unforgettable cast and the beautiful city of Paris stands out. Um, the great shots in this movie stand out, like I said earlier. Uh, 
the whole scenery of the 1920s Paris sucks me in. And um, also, it's like current day Paris as well. One of my goals in life is to visit Paris. And I don't know how, I don't know when, but even hopefully live there someday. So um, so watching Olson, Owen Wilson's character visiting Paris and, and dying to live in Paris, wanting to move to Paris, it just uh, it just me relating to this character and it's and it just me letting my dream through him. So yeah. Another thing that stands out to me is just the uh the simplicity of the way um this movie time travels. Um so really it's uh Owen Wilson's character Gil um uh, I forgot where he goes, but he goes to some uh to some city in France, waits till midnight, and asks when he hears like the, a clock strike, um, and it makes like a loud, loud what like strike strike noise. I don't know. I can't think of the name right now. But when it makes like a loud noise, ringing ringing noise, that's when a, a Oldsmobile, um, nineteen twenty eight Peugeot type. 184 Uh that's the car it is. Uh, it comes in at midnight and he hops in and then from there he's able to travel into 1920s Paris for a certain amount of time. At least I think it's kind of it's kind of weird. I might have to I'm gonna talk about that a little bit down the road. Um Another thing that stands out to me is the uh, relationship between Gil and his fiance Inez. So, throughout the film, you can tell that they care about each other, but they aren't really in love with each other. The first sign we see this is when Inez runs into a college, a crush she had in college, Paul, the the tool, the the just like the asshole. You know, she um she does admit to Gil that she had a crush on him and back in college and that's the first alert in my eyes, okay? I don't know about y'all, but nah. Um Oh, and here's the, that's the first alert. Here's the second one. She wants to keep spending time with him and his partner. Like why would you want to do that? I think they're I think they're friends or acquaintances, so they know of each other and they spent time with each other. But still, you know, if I'm on vacation and I'm not, I mean, like an acquaintance, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep the combo short. So, if anything, this is how it should have been. The combo should have been kept short and simple, and this is the way it should have, it, it would have ended. Nice seeing you. Enjoy your trip. You know, oh, okay, blah, 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 blase, blase. Oh, you're here in Paris. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, you know what? Nice seeing you. Enjoy your trip. And that's it. That's it. But during the film, you can tell that Anise is with Gil for the wrong reasons and is with him because he is more than financially stable and he has a really good income because um, Gil is a, 
scriptwriter, and he's trying to become an author, write his first, write his first book. So he's trying to find inspirations anywhere he can. Um, all the man wants to do is just walk in the rain in Paris and show her the time machine car, and she won't even give him the time of day. Like y'all getting married? At least, at least, at least do one of those. At least sacrifice for one of them. All right. If you don't want to do, if you want to do both, okay, that's kind of weird. But at least pick one of them to do with him. Damn. Um. Also, you know, kind of spoiler coming up during the film. Enise uh, admits to Gil that she slept with Paul. And that they can forget about it when they go back to the States and move to Malibu. What? Forget about it. Y'all about to get married in a couple of days. You talking about, or maybe not a couple of days, but y'all are, y'all are getting married. Y'all, it's a fiance type of deal. Like you, like you really committed to this person and you want to cheat on them? And you talking about forget about it? Man. That, that just like. I don't know the irony of this girl. Um, yeah, but I'm gonna try to back. back, back uh, I'm not gonna try to pick get on Gil's side too much because Gil isn't perfect either. Neither. Okay. So um, during the film, he also ends up falling for Adriana from the and Adriana is a uh, from the 1920s. So this is like when Gil goes back to the 1920s, he meets Adriana, who is Pablo Picasso's mistress. And he also meets another uh, uh, another lady. I don't know if um, he really falls for her at first, but yeah, he meets Gabrielle at a, at a market in Paris. And she's like selling like novelty collectible stuff. And that's where they have like their first type of uh, interaction and something they relate to or so yeah something they have in common so yeah um there's also like a scene where Gil steals Ines uh Ines's uh earrings pearl earrings and he's gonna give it to Adriana but he ends up getting caught in the act and he trying to finesse his way out of it and everything so that was also a funny scene and it just shows you that these that these two are not meant for each other. They're not perfect. And um, yeah, that's that interesting relationship. My first time watching this movie. Um, my first time watching this movie. I gotta I gotta take y'all back, man. I gotta take y'all back to uh, my community college days. I was a student worker at the time, and. This episode I'm dedicating it to a good friend of mine, my sweet, sweet Gidget. I'm going to keep her a little bit confidential, but my sweet, sweet Gidget, you know who you are. You put me on this film, and um, we used the conference room. Where we used the conference room where we put the uh, the new orientation uh, students in. So we used that conference room, and we used the big board, and we... We turned that conference room into our own little movie theater, and it was a very pleasant experience. Very nice, pleasant experience. Um, 
I was also working that day, and I was on my, uh, I was on sh- I was like on my shift working, but it's okay because I basically during my time as a student worker there, I basically got paid to watch movies and clean up after students, so it's all good. Moving on to the next category, we got tales from the script. So that was, I found a lot of information, but I just want to grab a a handful that that stuck out to me. So Tom Hiddleston who plays F. Scott Fitzgerald, received a letter from Woody Allen along with 15 pages of the script offering him the role of F. Scott Fitzgerald. It was three sentences long, Hiddleston told Entertainment Weekly. Dear Tom, I'm making a movie in Paris this summer. I attached some pages. I'd love for you to play the role of Scott. Hiddleston now has a letter framed and hanging up in his home office. Due to Woody Allen's habit of only giving actors the script concerning their characters, Tom Hiddleston was unaware of the film's time travel storyline until he met Owen Wilson on set and asked him why he hasn't, why he had, why he wasn't, I'm sorry, why he wasn't wearing period accurate clothing like the rest of the cast. Carla Bruni, who plays the tour guide at the Rodin Museum, was also the first lady of France at the time of filming. Being married to the to the then president of France, Nicolas Sarkozy, since February 2008. Rachel McAdams, who plays Anise, and Michael Sheen, who plays Paul, began an off-screen romance during the filming of this movie. And that 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 plays into their uh I guess they're cheating relationship in the film because you can tell when they're on script when they're on screen that they have like some type of fling going on. So yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. With four nominations, best picture, best director, best art direction, and best original screenplay, this picture is the most Oscar nominated Woody Allen film since Bullets Over Broadway which got seven Oscar nominations. Bolt Over Broadway came out in 1994, by the way. So since 1994, this is his, this is Woody Allen's most Oscar-nominated uh, film. One of four movies in which Rachel McAdams stars as the love interest of a time traveler. Can you guys name the other? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do it like uh, Door, Door, Door of the Explorer. Can you name the other movies? That's good. Um, the other ones that we have in this is uh, The Time Traveler's Wife that came out in 2009 in which she played the title wife Claire to Eric Banner's character. About Time in which she played the girlfriend Mary of Dom Hall's Gleason's character and Doctor Strange in which she played Dr. Christine Palmer um, of Surgeon Stephen Strange. And none of these movies does McAdams' character get to participate in time travel herself. So, yeah. I ain't gonna cap, man. If my, if I, you know, my fiance was like, if my fiance was like, I found a way to time travel at midnight, I'm like, let's fucking do it. What the fuck we doing out here, cuz? Let's do it. 
I'm I'm ready. Show me this dang time travel machine. I want to see it. I want to see it. So, cause she like she like blows off Gil. She's like, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm like, bro, all you gotta do is wait a couple minutes. Like she literally leaves and like like maybe like what? At least I think from like when I last saw this movie, I think it was like five minutes went by and then like the like the car shows up and I'm like, bro, you can't even really like wait like that. Or maybe not five minutes, but maybe like twenty minutes. Like. Regardless, you just had to wait a little bit longer and then it would have happened. Yeah, it was like, because it happened like almost instantly. Because Gil was going back. He's like, hold on, I think I'm doing everything right. I came down to the right street. Um, I did this, I did this. And then like the bell rings. And he's like, oh, the tower, the tower bell ring. And then he sees the car pulling up. So yeah. Oh, the last fact I have is um, this is Woody Allen. Um, oh, Woody Allen first attempted to shoot the film in 2006. So it's a good thing he waited a little bit longer. Things I would change about this movie. Um, like I said earlier, I loved Adrian Brody's interpretation of Salvador Dali. And I would have loved to seen him and more, I would have loved to see more scenes that involved him. I would have also liked to have seen Gil take Gabrielle to the 1920s, since she is also a big fan, as Gil is. Because when when Gil meets Gabrielle, he meets her at a market, and she's selling this stuff, and they're having a, a good conversation about the records that he's that they're listening to at the market. And they run into they run into each other a couple of good times. And then um the ending is when they run into each other again and they continue to talk more about I think they continue to talk about more about um that that period. And then it starts to rain. And then she, you know, he's. She says that she loves walking in the rain, and he's like, "Oh, I like walking in the rain too." And yeah, then they, then like the film kind of ends like that with them walking in the rain and Gail walking her back to her apartment. So I would have loved to have seen her go back to the 1920s and see her reaction and stuff like that. So, but regardless, the ending was still nice and subtle. So yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to change is the um is the way the time travel works so in the film there's like a certain scene there's like a certain scene or a certain sub subplot in the film in which and 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 where Enisa's dad gets suspicious of Gil because he wants to know where he's going at night and stuff so he hires a private eye detective and the private eye detective follows Gil and he follows Gil all the way to where Gil gets into the 1920s car and he follows the 1920s car and the private eye detective he gets he gets lost in time that and there's no way for him to come back. Apparently, like he can't turn around and come back. But that's kind of that kind of doesn't make sense to me because 
earlier in the film, we see Gil go into a, we go, we see him go into like a, like you know, we see we see Gil going to a bar. That's right. We see going to a bar, and he leaves that bar and he goes down the street and he remembers that he wanted to do something. So he turned around and tried to go back into that bar, and that bar ended up being turned into um, a modern day laundry mat. So that didn't make sense to me. Why couldn't he turn around and and it be? Why couldn't the private detective turn around and be back in modern time? But Gil was able to like just go down the street and come back, and it was like the laundromat was. I mean, the bar turned the 1920s bar then turned back into the, like the laundromat, uh, modern day laundromat. So that didn't make sense to me. Um, kind of fixed that. That's what I would have done. So yeah, that's those are the things I would have changed overall. Tough break. So. Continuing what I was saying about the private eye, being him in the film would have been a tough break. You know, you he accidentally, like I said, he accidentally get lost. He gets he accidentally gets lost in time, and um, the private eye tries to follow the car, but ends up getting lost, and he ends up in King Louis the Fourteenth's house, and he's being chased by his guards yelling off with his head. So that's a tough situation because uh, I don't think he's able to escape the king's palace with so many royal guards there. The guy didn't even look like he was fit to run any type of thing anyway. So that guy, that guy definitely got caught and he definitely had his head cut off in front of a huge crowd. So that's the only tough break I got in the film. Um, well, Another tough break I would have is is being Gil or Ines and being cheated on, but they just don't really care about that. You know, like they don't really show too much emotion about that. At least Gil doesn't show zero emotion, but Ines is like in utter disbelief and shock when Gil breaks up with her in the movie. So, yeah. Coming up next is the top five. Let's get it. So, in my top five. I got the uh, number one, the opening shots of Paris. Um, I I love I love it. I also love the score being played while, like the score is like a like 1920s type of music and is being played while showing these shots of Paris. So I like that. Um, my number two, I have the scene where. Gil tells Salvador Dali that he is from the future. So during this scene, Gil meets Salvador Dali, Man Ray, and Luis Luis Bunuel, and he tries to tell these three guys that he is from the future, and they are just casual and normal about it, and they don't find it strange that Gil is from the future. Because like I guess because like they're like artists, their expertise, so they feel like he's just expressing himself. So just like that's cool, man. You're from the future. I understand it. Matter of fact, I love it. So that's a great scene. Um, my number three, I like the uh, Fitzgerald party at the carnival, like at at this carnival. Um, 
I love that scene because there's just like a lot going on in the background. You know, you got like you got that dang uh that damn um you got like a like you got like a couple good carnival rides in the back. You got that carousel going on. Um you see you see like the carnival stands and you just par- just people just partying, dancing in the middle of it all to music and stuff. So that looked like a really fun party, really great fun party. I would have enjoyed to be there. And um yeah, that's my number three. Number four, the uh second time travel scene was was awesome. So during this scene, we see uh Gil spending more time with Adriana, and they are both really starting to fall for each other. So they sit at a bench and a horse and carriage pulls up and they get in and they travel to the 1800s. So they go from the 1920s to the 1800s and they meet three more famous artists. I'm about to like butcher the hell out of these names up. So forgive me for that. We have Henry de Tolise Lautrec, Paul Gauguin, Gauguin and, uh, Edgar Degas. Adrian, and so they meet those three. They're having a good time talking and stuff. And they're they're talk they're those three artists are talking about how dead their their era is or how boring their era is, something like that. But you know, they have a conversation and they carry it on and then um Gil and Adriana sneak off, and Adriana then suggests that she wants to stay in this period because this is the period that she feels is so is is ironically so much filled with so much culture and and like so much culture and such a beautiful era for for like uh, art and stuff like that and. Um, Gil tell Gil finally ends up telling her that he is that he's from the future and that he believes that her era is the best is the uh, is the best era that is like the best period to be in and um they both can't agree and she tells him that she is staying and they both go their separate ways and then number five, my my last uh, top five is uh the ending and how Gil ends up walking in the rain in Paris with Gabrielle and how she enjoys her walks during the rain in Paris and like they they relate to that. So that was like a cute little ending. I liked it. I like it a lot. But yeah. Before I continue, I just want to ask like quick question, like what something to think about like. What era would you guys like to travel in? And if you fell in love with somebody in that era, would you would you really stay in that era, or would you want to go come back home? Because you would be giving up a lot, you know. So, something to think about. Something to think about. Me personally, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. So I, I can't really get on guilt too much. It's just something that it's just something like a lot to think about. So, yeah. Does it deserve a sequel? As much as I would enjoy to go back and visit these characters, 
I am more than okay with having a sequel. So no sequel. Maybe a show. Maybe. But for the most part, I'm I'm fine. I'm more than a okay. Hollywood Shuffle. This movie was released 10 years ago. But it still doesn't feel that way. And especially since, I don't know, we are still in the era of these uh, actors and actresses. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back. I'm going to take it back into my own time machine. And we're going to go back to the 90s. And we're just going rec- to rec- uh, recast just a couple of uh, roles. So for Gil, I would cast 90s Jim Carrey coming off of the Truman Show. Um, I just think he was um, like incredible in the, in the Truman Show. So let me get that Jim Carrey. For Ines, I'll go with Nicole Kidman. For Adriana, I oh, for Ines, I'm going with Nicole Kidman. Yes, for Adriana, I'm going with Julia Roberts. For Salvador Dali, I'm going with Antonio Banderas. F. Scott Fitzgerald, give me Tom Hanks, man. I think Tom Hanks would do a real good. 90s Tom Hanks would do a real good uh, Escott's Fitzgerald. So give me that. Um, and for Zelda Fitzgerald, ironically, I'm going to put Robin Wright. Um, so Jenny and, and Forrest together. I'm, I'm going to make that actually work right here in this movie. So Jenny and Forrest, Forrest and Jenny, they're going to work together in this. And uh, yeah, Robin Wright for Zelda Fitzgerald. And the last cast um for Ernest Ernest Hemingway I'll go with Edward Norton the last category last new category the trifecta three three reasons why you should watch this movie it's a cute time traveling film that doesn't that doesn't really ask too much or doesn't really have to explain too much on how they time travel it's just like look min clock strikes midnight boom Magic 1920s car shows up. Okay. I'm not going to ask no more questions. That's cool with me. Let's do it. So it's a, it's a, the simplicity of it is great. And it's just a cute time traveling film overall. Um, another reason why Paris, Paris is such a great, beautiful city. I want to go there someday. And that's it. That's just the reason. That's it. That's the reason. Reason number two, Paris. And, Number three and number three, the last uh, reason why you should watch the movie it has a lot of great 1920s icons, and they're being portrayed really well by these actors and actresses. So, yep, that's my that's a trifecta, um, and that's the show. So that's it. Get your eye out of here. Yeah, I'm not saying it no more, guys. Get out of here. No, I'm kidding. That's it. That's the show. We ain't got no mo. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next episode.